0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to be with you. We started this new series called Revival, and it is uh, an attempt, at least, to recapture the fire of that revival that started in John Wesley. We will talk about the Methodist movement. It will not be a history lesson. Now, if you enjoy history, uh, that's fine. We we can talk about that. It's not a marker of, in 1732, John Wesley did this in 1746, John. It is a theological roadmap of what gave rise to what is the largest Protestant denomination on the planet. How do those things happen? How does this revival, starting with one person and, and his connection with God, give birth to something that becomes worldwide. We'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. It's always good to start the new year to remind ourselves why we are united Methodists. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter, the second verse. It's real quick. It was Jesus' first sermon. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. And it reads thusly, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as your pastor and friend, I have to ask you, how have your New Year resolutions been going? I hear some grumbling. Uh, Just for fun, how many of you have kept your New Year's resolution? Okay. Very low percentage. That's okay. God loves you. You can have another shot. You know, should I be so bold to say how many of you are, have not kept your New Year's resolution? Church is a, play, is a hospital for sinners. It's okay to raise your hand. It's okay. How many of you didn't make them at all? Yeah, okay, there we are. There's, I've now put my finger on what's missing here. Right. Uh, resolutions are funny. You know, sometimes we make these big resolutions and they're, they're, they're difficult to keep. They're, because sometimes we, we bite off more. Than we can chew, and it's a story as old as humanity. It's like uh, in the garden when man and woman was in the garden. God said, "You can have ninety nine point nine nine percent of the entire garden." And we say, "But what about that tree? We want that one too." And God says, "No, no. Let, let me cultivate that one. Let me just let it be. You don't have to have everything." And we say, "No, I really, I really want that one." Right? We bite off more than we can chew. So sometimes our resolutions fail. It's too much. Sometimes resolutions are uh, uh, inconsequential because we have made them too small. Like, I'm going to breathe more in 2020, right? You know, oh, good, how is that going, right? You know, resolutions, and, and by the way, for resolutions to work, you have to give yourself a healthy dose of forgiveness, right? Uh, I want to lose uh, 20 pounds in 2020. Well... It's hard. That kind of resolution is really hard in Louisiana because you go straight from Christmas into king cake season and then you go from king cake season to crawfish season and then you go into grilling season over the summer months and then football comes around again and you just you're toast. Right. Uh, Oh, no, I ate king cake today. I've, I've broken my resolution. Stop it. You have like 320 more days to get there. Resolutions have a goal, right? I want to lose 20 pounds in 2020, right? But in order for that to work, that sphere has to get increasingly more small, right? I want to lose 20 pounds in 2020. Therefore, in June, I have to lose 10 pounds by the end of June, which means by the end of March, I need to lose six and a half pounds, which means in January, I need to do meal preparation each week, which means for today, I need to make good and wise choices. That's the problem with new year resolutions is that we should really call them new day resolutions. What am I being called to do today to meet that goal? So we talk about this resolution, I say resolution, this stirring of this Methodist movement. It began uh, in a way like a resolution. John Wesley wanted to fall deeper in love with God. Eventually there's some uh, history there in between point A and point B. But it began with this, this stirring of being connected with God and eventually this resolution became a revolution. We'll talk about how that happens. Now, Now we're not, we're not studying the Methodist movement so that when 1732 comes around again, we'll be ready, right? It is about what it means for us today. How do we capture that spirit? How do we capture that faith Fire of the Holy Spirit to do what we're being called to do today. All resolutions, all resolutions need three things, need three things. First, they begin with an idea. They begin with an idea and affirmation. When we look at this Christian story of God, It began with an idea, and the idea was this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In other words, this idea of Christendom, this idea of Christ is that God looked on the world and saw that it was worth saving. God looked on the world and saw that it was worth saving saving. It's a fine idea, but there also has to be affirmation. Jesus comes up out of the water, and you hear this voice from heaven. We are in the season of Epiphany. The season of Epiphany really begins when we hear this voice from God saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus said yes to this mission. You know, I've always been fascinated that we hear stories about Jesus' birth, right? Right. We hear, story, we hear one story, one story of Jesus when Jesus was a child. Jesus was 12 years old, and he was at the temple, if you remember, uh, and he was a bit snarky with his parents. I mean, he's 12. I love it. Um, Mary and Joseph uh, in the caravan, a family, they, they leave, right, and then it takes, they, it takes a day for them to realize Jesus isn't with us. We've lost Jesus. It's like the Raw family in Disney World. We've lost one of our kids. And they turn around and go back. And when, and when they come, Jesus says, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Like, what a 12-year-old thing to say to your mama, you know? And I do think we have the edited version of that text, right? You know, because Mary said, child, what have you done to us? You know, it's so very polite, you know. And I, th- I think, there, I think the, the redactors of the New Testament gave us a very Sunday morning version of that story. Have you ever gone missing? Have you ever not been where your parents think you were? How did mom react to that? Child, why, why have you done this to us? No. <laughs> this, in fact, one day, and I've, I've told this story before, one day I went to a friend's house to play Top Gun on, on Nintendo, which is impossible to play. Uh, the only game harder is E.T. on Atari, but that's a whole nother. catch me for coffee after that. And I went and played at my friend's house, and I was there for two hours, two and a half hours. Didn't tell a soul where I was, so I came home. As I was walking home, I saw my mother pacing the driveway. And I thought, how interesting that my mother's taking an afternoon stroll. That's not her normal pattern. And then I came, and, and she saw me, and she ran to me, and she gave me the warmest hug I think I've ever received. Followed by the swiftest spanking I think I've ever received. Right? And it was one of those syllabic spankings. You know those. Why did you go to God? <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Turn around. Stop doing. Stop doing these things. We, we, we study this, this Methodist movement. This this resolution that began that turned into a revival. And it starts with affirmation. It starts with a calling it starts with this idea that God looked on the world and it was worth saving. So Jesus comes out of the water. He says yes to God. There's this time period between he was, when he was 12 and when the ministry started when he was around about 30. Right? Why do we not have stories of those times? How long would it take you to wrestle with the job at hand? 20 years? 10 years, five years, when God says you are my son and, and you are called to save the world, how long would it take you to say yes to that resolution? Jesus said yes, came out of the water and heard a voice from God, an idea and an affirmation. Second thing that a resolution needs is a clear mission. A clear mission. Jesus comes up out of the water and he spends 40 days in the wilderness. We talked about that last week. He returns preaching a single message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The beauty of this sermon is that the kingdom of heaven was already there. We don't earn this kingdom. We aren't worthy to have It's already here. You being good United Methodists already know about God's prevenient grace, that God moves toward us before we move toward God. Repent because the kingdom is at hand. It's already here. Repent literally means to turn around. And I've mentioned this before. Sin is an archer's term, which means missing the mark. You don't hit the bullseye. And if the bullseye is here... What's the worst way that we can sin? Shooting arrows into the crowd. It's fruitless and people get hurt. Repent. (laughs) Turn around. And at least fire at the target. And then here is grace. God keeps giving us arrows. God is still there. Whether we're very good at hitting the target, whether we are terrible at hitting the target, God... God still seems to show up. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That wasn't Jesus' only sermon, but that's where it began. Turn around, God is near. And if you're not looking, you're going to miss it. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. Of course, we have parables and healings and miracles and the mission of the disciples. And then on Jesus' last night, he says, do this in remembrance of me. But what's the this? Well, it's everything that they had learned from Christ. So first, turn. Turn around. Face the target. It's much easier, you know, (laughs) that way, to look at where you need to go. Then learn. Learn from the stories. Learn from the parables. Learn from this rabbi who was with the poor. Who said, your faith has made you well. The one who walks upon the water. The one who goes to the other side of the lake. Learn these things. The one who said, you know, there are good Samaritans. Learn. And then. And then we are called to do. Do this in remembrance of me. Do the things that we have learned. And then ultimately, the last thing that Jesus says as he is ascending into heaven is go. Go and make disciples throughout the world. And that is our story. Turn, learn, do, and go. Look at the target Learn how to fire the arrows because it's frustrating to keep firing arrows when you haven't learned how to do it. Learn, study. Then do. Then go out and fire at the target. And then ultimately go. Go really, go really means to make other disciples by your example. Go and show Christ to the world. We're not building the kingdom. The kingdom is already here. We need to be conduits of it to be windows into the soul of God so that the kingdom may be seen. Turn, learn, go, and do. If you want it on a bumper sticker, that's a mighty fine one to have. This Methodist movement, it started with John Wesley. It it was very, I'm glad you're sitting down for this, methodical uh, in its (laughs) practice, right? Daily... New year, res- no, new Day Resolution. Today, what am I being called to do today to fall in love with God? Prayer, fasting, serving, every day is a blessed opportunity to reveal to someone love. You know, John Wesley had an interesting quote. Uh, it's in uh, the Altogether Christian. Have you heard about that one? Uh, if you spent any time with us during... Uh, uh, Advent, you know, the the almost Christian, this sermon that John Wesley had. This is what he said. Good people, this is fantastic. Good people avoid sin from the love of virtue. Wicked people avoid sin from the fear of punishment. It's fascinating that John Wesley is assuming that you want to let go of sin. He just (laughs) makes that assumption. In other words, the difference between good people and wicked people is not whether or not they're letting go of sin. It is the why for Wesley. Are you doing it? Are you putting down sin? Are you doing the right thing because you're afraid of what God might do to you otherwise? Or are you doing the work of God because you have fallen in love with God? For Wesley, that is... Of course, that stream of thought is in other denominations, in other faiths, in other narratives. But it is one of the most beautiful things about our Wesleyan heritage, our united Methodism. What am I being called to do today to fall even deeper in love with my maker? Not, God's going to get me if I don't do X, Y, or Z. how can I truly love God today, a God that has already loved me? First, a resolution needs an idea and an affirmation. The second thing a resolution needs is a very clear mission. Turn, learn, do, and go. But here's the fun part. Here's the fun part. When resolutions become revolutions. Because a resolution is all well and good. And yes, we do need to tend to our own souls. We do need to walk personally with Christ. Yes, we need to work on ourselves, of course. But for this resolution, for this Wesleyan resolution that happened in John Wesley to become a revolution means not only have we fallen in love with God, we have also fallen in love with those whom God God has created. Love of God and love of neighbor. If we are unable or unwilling to see the face of Christ in our neighbor, then we are not yet finished. We have not yet, as Wesley would say, reached Christian perfection. You know, the real trick here from resolution to revolution is becoming a chief follower. And all the books, they get it wrong. I love, and now, so I'm going to put on my, my clergy collar for a moment. I'm going to push back against the church for just a second. We invest a lot of money in leadership, in teaching leadership. We got, I was in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago learning how to be a leader. The problem is we have forgotten that if you put 20 leaders in a room what happens? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) If you have 20 chefs in the kitchen, what happens? Not dinner. (laughs) You know, the trick of making this resolution into a revolution is for us to treat leadership as being a chief follower of Christ. Why do we feel we have to make it up? It has already been established. The kingdom is already already here and this great idea of God is love. This great affirmation from Christ is an affirmation of love. Turn from harm. Learn what love means. Do acts of love within the world and then go and teach others to do the same. To be that window into God's heart, so that the world might know that love is eternal, that love is hard work in the world, because the world wants us to be in competition with each other. The world wants us to think that we ourselves have to own everything. The world wants us to think that survival of the fittest is the way. And as a Christian, I'm here to tell you it is not. Love, this great idea of God. Wesley was a great innovator. But that innovation began with a desire to love God and to love neighbor and to recognize that God keeps God's promises. But do we You know, resolutions sometimes fail because we either bite off more than we can chew. You know, the mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And what I would like to say to that is maybe we need to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our family, for the transformation of our church, for the transformation of our neighborhood. In our city. Yes, it's a great goal to transform the world. (laughs) But let me first learn how to get along with my family. The one that lives in my home, the ones that are here in our shared living room together. That's the thing with resolutions what can I do today? Not a new year resolution, a new day resolution. You know, I've been, I've been running every other day, which is, that is a modern day miracle because running is terrible. You feel awful. <laughs> you feel, you know, it's just, you hurt, you know, you don't drop any pant sizes, just your legs are on fire. It's awful. I, I hate it. I hate running. And then this schmo up here keeps convincing me to try to do it. You know, He's like, hey, let's start a running club at Asbury. It's going to be amazing. I was like, well, if we do that, I guess I'm going to have to start running first so I don't embarrass myself in front of the entire congregation. Good idea. Thanks, jerk. <laughs> but if, so, if I approach this by saying I'm going to run a marathon by the end of the year, that's fine, but that means I need to get out of bed today and run a mile. Yes, make disciples for the transformation of the world, but let's make disciples maybe for the transformation of my own heart first. And with that clear message of turn, learn, do, and go, those tiny steps, if you run a mile every day, tomorrow running more is not going to be that hard. And the goal begins to take care of itself we treat each new day as a new opportunity to grow in love. There's more to say, but I'll cover that next week. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks, not only that you are calling us to repentance, to turn around and to face you, but we give you thanks that the kingdom is already here. Help us to recognize that. Help us to know that this great idea of yours is rooted in love and that Christ, God made flesh through Christ's affirmation and Christ's meritorious work, we just might change the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.